Good evening. My name is Samuel Hunley, and I am here this evening to, to convey my experience as a black student within the Gwinnett County Public School System. I'm a former fourth grade student at Cooper Elementary located in the Archer Cluster. The reason I no longer attend GCPS is due to the treatment by staff and teachers. From insensitive comments to microaggressions, these are a few these are just a few instances that have happened to me. For example, oh, you're so smart. Countless adults have commented as though they were shocked by this mere fact. One of my former teachers said, if you're a colonist, what would you do? To this statement left me both feeling both confused and frustrated as I began to ponder how a teacher could say something so insensitive. These statements coupled with, the, with other microaggressions have led me for the moment to discontinue my experience as a scholar in GCPS. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. Welcome back to Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen. And you guys are in for a treat because we're talking about what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? Stop acting white. That's what we're doing. We talking about that? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So before we get to that, though, let's go ahead and tell them who's in the building. Let me go ahead and start with Miss Trinity. Go ahead and say hey to the people. Hi everyone, I'm Trinity. I am from, or I'm from, well, I, I go to Laguna Creek High School and I am a junior. Yeah, and I'm excited to be here and talk about Stop Acting White, okay. Hey, 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 Lex, take it away. Hi everyone, my name is Lex. I'm 17 years old and a senior in Sacramento. I'm happy to be here today with our matching shirts. I think we all look hey. fine today. <laughs> Shout out to Ms. Delita for the for the dope gear. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mariah, say hey, hey. Hi, guys. My name is Mariah. I'm a 16-year-old junior, and I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. Janice. What's up, everybody? I'm Janice. I'm from Sacramento. I'm a 14-year-old freshman. And, you know, I'm happy that we all have been here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Melissa, round out the crew. Go ahead and say hey. <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Melissa. I'm a 14-year-old freshman in Southern California, and I'm so excited that we're all here. So listen, y'all, I just got to tell y'all this week, actually, it just started, but I, it's already getting on my nerves. <laughs> there are so many people behaving badly um, that, that I actually have a migraine from it. Um, let's go ahead. Let's start with our uh, first story because I know that we have to get Mariah out of here early. So I want to make sure you guys get a chance to weigh in. So this young lady, uh, not even a young lady, a little girl, seven-year-old um, at school. Do you have that? Does somebody have? Okay. Well, while we waiting for it, let me just give you the context. This little girl um, has gone to school a couple times. Um, they have cut her hair. 
first her classmates did it, I want to say, and then she went back and the teacher decided, two, two of her teachers decided to cut her hair like you see right there on the right. Um, dad is understandably upset. Um, he complained to the school, the school board. Uh, he has not gotten an adequate response from the superintendent, nor the teacher besides a half, uh, half apology of, I'm sorry. Is that enough? No, that's not enough. Y'all people must be crazy to think you could just put your hand on anybody's child that don't even belong to you and think it's okay. And y'all think y'all could just get away with it? No, you need to be fired. Simple as that. There should be punishment. There should be punishment for that. You're putting your hands on somebody else's child. Like, are you are you insane? Like, really? Are you are you like are you stupid? Like, what's what's going on? Like, who does that? And Mariah's face is all contorted. What you? That's what you crazy. You <laughs> cut that baby's hair. They need to be fired. Like that apology, that half gave apology doesn't mean anything. Action needs to be taken. You're not just gonna cut a baby's crown off. That's wrong. I mean, I'm 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 just confused because where did I do that at? Like who who thought that this was okay? Trinity? I don't even know. Like <laughs> how do you cut like what like is it during recess? Like, I'm confused. Like, we just do this during class. I hope they're not, like, exploiting the baby, you know, like, having her center attention in class and just cutting her hair. Like, who knows what's going on at school? I feel like the baby should be pulled out of the school or the school district, and the teachers should be fired and not hired. Okay, so let me give you a little bit more context. It says, on March 24th, the little baby's name is Journey, was on the school bus heading home from her elementary school when a classmate cut her hair. Um, because the classmate did it, dad took her to the shop, um, and she was able to, you know, kind of pick out a new hairstyle for herself. Two days later, Journey walked in crying, um, clearly shaking. Um, I don't think there are words to express how I felt. Her dad said, I asked if the girl in the bus had cut her hair again. She said, no, my library teacher cut my hair. Seven years old. She's in counseling now because she doesn't feel safe because someone cut her freaking hair <laughs> as like, it was it a punishment? Like, even if it was a punishment, like what, what justification could anybody give for cutting someone's hair? So um, shout out to little Miss Journey. Um, so sorry that happened to you. Uh, we got a Black Girl Support Network. If dad wants to reach out to us and get her connected with some of our teenagers who just love to love on children. Um, and let's just see uh, what we can do. Um, so before I go to the next story, I just got to give a shout out to uh, little Sammy in the opening video, taking it to his school board. Come on, Sammy. Yes, that's what we like to see. We like We want more of you all to go in front of your school boards and to kind of memorialize your experience. Because once you put it on record, they cannot say that nobody ever told them. So you guys have to understand the power in your voice. Let's go to um, actually the next story. So last week when I was talking to you all, I talked about a school shooting that had happened right before we kind of logged on on Monday. And come to find out, Lisa, you have that next story? Come to find out. Um, it, it was more to the story. There was in fact, not a school shooting. Uh, I want you to take a look at this video and let me know what you think. I think you have to erase, uh, you have to go to the beginning of it and share the audio, I think. So 
full context, um, I, I talked to you all about a school shooting. Um, the school, actually, this young man was in an altercation with his girlfriend. Um, the girl went home, left school early, went home and told her mother and her stepfather um, that an, an altercation had taken place with her boyfriend. Um, mom called the police. Uh, police go to the campus and they shoot this young man and kill him in the school bathroom. Um, why it was reported as a school shooting, they said an officer was shot. Um, allegedly, that officer shot himself. So there's a lot of things going on when we're kind of relaying these stories. Um, I, I really wish, the, how did she share the audio last time, you guys? Um, because I think this this interview is is really important um, to get it on here. Let's see. So once we figure, we'll figure it out. We'll have to figure it out um, because I'm not sure how uh, we we got it up. So basically, the mom is feeling some sort of way now because now this young man is gone. Um, taken out by a police officer. She says she told the police officer he was not carrying a, a weapon. Um, the girlfriend said that he had on skinny jeans. There was no way for him to hold a hide a weapon. But ultimately, because of a spat on a campus, this young man is no longer with us. Um, thoughts? That's insane. There's no excuse that's ever gonna be valid enough for an officer to shoot a child on a school campus that schools are supposedly supposed to pride themselves on being safe havens for children in need. No, there's no excuse for that. There's no valid excuse. That's so let me let me do this. Let me Lisa, can you play the video and I will play the audio because it's important that you guys hear this. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna just play it. And hopefully we can hear it. Wait, is it playing somewhere? I hear it, Lisa. Go ahead and restart it. Go ahead. Turn up your computer, Lisa. So go ahead and stop that right there. So she calls the police. She described the kid as a good kid. Um, she said he had his whole life in front of him. She just wanted her, him and her daughter to take a break. And so she thought the way to get that to happen was to call the police, according to her story, allegedly. Um, she thought 
because they had been in a relationship, it was toxic and whatnot. Um, go ahead, stop sharing the screen, Lisa. Um, because I just, y'all, ooh, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not sure how to put this into words, but what we see on these campuses is that it's the first family in to give a story, right? So I'm really wondering if mom of the boy, other boy uh, that was killed, if mom of the boy that was killed would have a different story. This is the second version of this story that I've heard. Um, I'm just at a loss. I'm just at a loss. Uh, maybe y'all can help me out. I just feel like I don't, I feel like if you didn't, want him to be shot or anything bad to happen why call the police because you know what goes on like when and then also to report like a domestic violence or assault or something like that you know what happens to black men black boys when they encounter police so that whole thing is weird to me um, regardless if you wanted to report it or not I also think it's weird that the police are able to come on campus with weapons track down a kid and be able to take his life like and the school has no you know has no part in that so i don't know yeah and what we'll do is when we replay this or when we put it up i will find the actual audio and and kind of weave that in so people can hear what's going on um it will probably have come out louder on my computer um, but i heard it kind of like there was an echo so i stopped my audio um, but I, I think that when we start to talk about relationships that you all get in um, and, you know, your parents wanting to protect you, um, a lot of times, you know, y'all as, as kids, you guys don't really understand the um, consequences of all that, right? You go home and, and, you know, back when I was in school, we would go home and tell the bigger cousins that some boy messed with us and they would go and it would be, you know, a little fight on campus and then everybody would live and we'd go on to see another day. Um, we're kind of looking at a situation where um, this young lady, regardless of what happened, she's still in her mom's, uh, in that article, her mom said this boy was the love of her life. And so I'm trying to understand how one calls the police on the love of someone's life. She said her kids miss him. He was a good a good kid. His future was ahead of him. So I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to reconcile that with the fact that she called the police and this young man is no longer living. 17 years old, just life snuffed out. Lex, you were going to say something. You keep on muting and then muting back. What were you going to say? I was gonna say I'm 17 years old, so I'm the same age as this couple of of the young man who died. My parents will give me a certain amount of room to handle problems. You know, they'll trust me enough because I'm about to be 18. I'm about to be going into my own place in the world. So I don't understand where or how why this mom felt it was her need, her choice, her decision to get involved in this relationship and not only call the cops but say that he was the love of her life and then try and file a report on him. Like it, it doesn't merge together. It just doesn't add up. And it seems kind of like she wrote this like the night before she knew she was going to be on the news or something. It's just, it's sketchy and it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm trying to think of it oh. from a parent's point of view, but it still just doesn't really add up. 
Go ahead. Who was going to say something? Yeah. Somebody I was, was just going to say, like, I feel like she knew because you had to tell the police, like, oh, he doesn't have a weapon on him. Like, you know, if you had to describe what he looked like, what he was wearing type of thing. So if you made it a point to, like, say, oh, he has no weapon on him, he wouldn't be able to carry a weapon, whatever, like, you knew what the consequences could potentially be at this point. So, and then also, if it was your daughter, if you, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, okay. I think Janice? That this woman was either racist, like bluntly racist, because obviously you're not that uneducated enough to know what occurs in America to black men, what occurs in this world. To she's black married men. to, she's married to one and has biracial children. So I'm sure you're not that dumbfounded to not know how black men and black people are treated by police officers. And for you to even step out of really just like, I understand there draws a line between I'm being a parent and I need to protect you and I'm going to give you free will. But I feel like she could have handled that completely different. And I feel like she, part of her knew the outcome of that situation and before she even attempted to call the police officers and she still did what she did. Melissa version of the story you've heard right mm -hmm. that that means that i feel like there's still more pieces missing it's it's not adding up and i feel like there's another third or fourth version out there somewhere that we're missing there, there's something missing and it's it's frustrating because you only get he's he's gone he can't say his part of the story you can only you only have her part and other people's parts you don't have his part what really happened so there's something missing yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first version was that there was a school shooting. That was inaccurate, right? There was a shooting at the school. They didn't tell you that the police shot somebody, right? Or that he shot himself. They didn't divulge that. And then the second story that I heard, Sean King covered it. He said that uh, he had um, the audio from an activist on the ground there in Knoxville who said that the young man, uh, the young lady went home she told her stepdad that they had had an altercation. The stepdad threatened to come up there and beat his tail. Um, and his friend gave him a gun to protect himself. That's the second story I had. Now this article comes out and the mom says she called. At first it was the stepfather called and said there was an active shooter on campus. So they knew what, what could potentially happen. And they still decided to... Um, get law enforcement involved now you know as someone who advocates in these schools you don't know how many times i've come across mothers who have basically made their daughters put out a a, a report on a young man because they were mad or upset or angry or whatever now if this young man actually did put his hands on that girl then he should have dealt been dealt a consequence but that consequence should not have taken his life. And we have to be clear about that. Um, there are certain decisions that you all make that could potentially get somebody in a lot of trouble, could, could potentially have someone lose their life because of some little lover's quarrel, right? And so we have to talk about that. And I think that we'll do a whole episode on that pretty soon. Um, and I'll come up with some examples of what I've seen and we can talk about it because until we really start understanding one, that discipline is gonna come down on you differently than it does other children. For our boys, it's even more so. 
right? It's even more so punitive. So we have to look at that. And then two, you don't get to call the police, him get killed, and then you come out with, I'm sorry. That's not enough. I don't care that she's sorry. I think she has to live with the fact that she caused a certain, or somebody in that house. I don't know, because like I said, there's been a couple stories coming out of there. Someone in that house caused a chain of reaction of events that ended with this young man dead. And somebody has to help be held accountable for that. It just is what it is. But anyway, y'all. Uh, Gabrielle, I see, I see what you said. If he was the love of her life, why didn't mom just call him and ask what happened? She never liked him from the beginning. I would agree. She said that she was, they were texting back and forth and she told him that the police was coming to get him. That's what she says in the article. Um, maybe, um, let me go and link the article, um, on the page so you guys can take a look at it because there's a lot of things in this, in this article just to the regular person nah mm -mm, that just doesn't make sense so um yeah check out the article when y'all have time um but i'm sorry to start on that type of note but it's just certain things and certain perceptions that people have of black children that could ultimately end with them losing their lives, right? Um, but we'll go ahead and segue, sorry y'all, because uh, that was a little heavy and I do apologize for starting off like that, but uh, your shirts look cute. <laughs> your shirts look cute, ladies. Um, so let's go ahead and segue. So after we got off uh, last week, you guys talked about, well, actually, I think it was two weeks ago, you guys talked about this, this phase that we go through in school when we try to assimilate and we try not to um, ruffle too many feathers and, and because we want to achieve and we get these good grades that there's some ways that people attribute certain characteristics to us. So what are we talking about today? What are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about how, you know, the phase, not even the phase, uh, the life, like kind of lifelong effect that we, the backlash we get for the person that we are becoming and the person who we are like at the moment more so it's just like you know being black because i'm black i can't get straight a's oh because i'm black i can't take ap's and honor classes or else i'm you know a white girl or else i'm you know something's wrong with me and i think i'm bougie and stuff like that as if mm -hmm. it's like it's supposed to be that's not for us as if it's that's not for our people we can't exceed those lengths because simply because we're black we have to act a certain way in order to be classified as black, which is ridiculous and it's stupid. Mm. Mariah, you know, I saw you got to unmute. Let's go to Mariah real quick because I know she has to, to go on. soon. Just wanted to yeah. add on, like basically just the aggressions, you know, you get as being a black overachieving student, you know? So you got that, ooh, you talk proper. No, I talk like I have common sense. Like I was raised with common sense from my mom. Like, and it's just these aggressions and they're not micro when you experience them. So I'm not even going to say that they're microaggressions is the aggressions we get by being compared to white students when we're mm -hmm. simply trying to better ourselves and to have a spot in the race. Yeah. 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 I was just going to uh, second what Mariah said. I was going to say like when we do find ourselves in those honors and AP classes or when we find ourselves at a seat at the table that we weren't welcome to before, um, there's always those aggressions like my, uh, Mariah said, like, oh, you talk proper. You're so smart for a black girl. Or, you know, I've never seen anyone like you here. I'm, you know, I'm, you're well-spoken, like that type of thing. Mm. 
your well spoken is one that I get. That's one that I get a lot. Um, and it's weird because, you know, I was researching this and, you know, there's AAVE and it's been criticized for not being the proper way to talk. But as soon as white people in society became aware of the terms and thought that it sounded cool or social media company, social media pages started using them to market to a younger audience, suddenly they're trying to normalize it. But it's it's just weird because when black people pronounce all the syllables in a word or are articulating ourselves clearly, then we're suddenly talking white. But as soon as they use our language, it's cool. Mm. Lex? Yeah, I mean, Melissa, which is, you just laid it on the floor right there, you know. I, it's like, that's how it is, you know. We we just go along our day and, you know, we'll speak the way we want to speak and we get scrutinized for that. And then we go into a professional setting like school, a job, and we speak that the way they expect us to speak, the way that we're supposed to speak, the standards that we get held to. And then they turn around, they're like, why are you acting like that? Aren't you supposed to be like black? Like, why aren't you acting black? And so, you know, you're kind of sitting there like, what can I do? You know, you're kind of like, it's like your sandwich and you're just like, okay, I can't go over here and do this because then I'm, I'm acting like someone I'm not. But, you know, if I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm talking the way I want to talk and act the way I want to act and be how I want to be, you know, you're scrutinized for that. And like, why are you acting ghetto? Why are you acting black? And, you know, it's, it's frustrating because you can't go out without being scrutinized at this point. And so I'm like, look, at this point, I can't win. So I'm going to just do what I want to do. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's what happens a lot in schools now. There's kids who are like, I, can't, I don't want to go into these AP classes, these bigger classes, because people are just going to look at me and say I don't belong there, or I'm going to be um, held un- under a certain eye because, you know, they're like, why are you, you're Black in an AP class, like, why are you even in here, you know? So it's like, that makes me not want to go into to those other classes because I don't, they'll make me feel like I don't belong. So it's really annoying that it feels like you can't really go anywhere without, um, having someone looking over us and looking down on us the whole time and then it'd be our own people not even referring to other people calling us these names and categorizing us to be a specific type of way it is our people people who look like us talking about some oh you act white oh you act ghetto or oh why are you in that ap class oh you got a hundred percent on the test like what you doing like oh can you give me the answers and stuff like that like and it's ridiculous when it's just like you know we're supposed to be uplifting each other, like putting power into each other and spreading the kindness and love that we would like to receive. But it's more so a lot of us kind of putting each other down. And it's sad because it's just like we're trying to get up, but it's just like we can't get up if we continue to put ourselves down. We can't get up if we continue to put each other down. And it's just like we're trying to get in this race, but it's just like we got all these strings holding us back. So it's just like all this weight on my shoulders. How am I going to win? Like, I'm trying to win right now. I'm trying to get somewhere. And it's just like, I can't because I have the weight and the pressure of everybody else on me. And it's just like, you know, there is no borderline of to where it's just like, I feel comfortable. Like sitting in piano class, I only see like two kids in that class. And then I would ask, or I would ask one of my friends, like kids I used to be cool with, oh, how does this piece sound? And then it's just like, you're in piano. You you know how to do piano. Why are you in that class? Like, it's an A through G requirement. Why wouldn't I be in that class? Why aren't you taking this class with me? Like, why aren't you in the room with me? And I feel like it's ridiculous that there is that that standard of where, you know, we can't uplift each other. We got to either 
envy each other. We got to either put each other down. And it's just like, that's ridiculous. Like we, we got to break that cycle. So what do you think that's attributed to? Why do you think that, you know, you say that we put each other down? What, what do you think that's attributed to? Trin? From the years and years and years of oppression that we faced um, since we got here, basically. I mean, like, I, I know like that the AAVD talk, um, like we, that's like, it's something that's so like deeply rooted in like the systems that were, that are in place and that took place a long time ago that it's like, I don't even know, but you know, I think it's crazy that we have to like, I don't even know, like we have to keep, like keep going in this cycle to where like we don't, we, we, we realize that we're like oppressed and that we we're the systems aren't for us and weren't made by us and they're made against us. Um, and we, we understand that, but we, we fail to like try to get outside the box, you know, and it, it sucks. It really does. Like, and it's not even like a thing of code switching anymore. It's just like, I don't feel welcomed from either side because I'm like, I'm an AP honor student and I have friends that aren't in those classes and they don't want to associate with me because they think I'm too good for them or they think I put myself on like better than them or something like that. And then the white people saying like, dude, like, you know, you're well-spoken, you're so calm, you're not loud, you know, you're respectful. Like, you know, all those, I don't even know, man. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the fact that you're able to describe it lets me know that, you know, stop saying you don't know, you know, you know what you internalize, you know what that feels like, right? And you know that you don't like it from either side, period, point blank, you don't like it. Um, and I can tell you as, as a high school student, junior high school student, they tell me I act white, I talk white. Um, you think you're a white girl? Uh, I had straight A's, you know, I was very um, ambitious. I wanted to do something great with my life, right? And so you start to take those steps to kind of get into, hey, Maddie said, hey, Mariah, um, try to get into uh, the swing of things, right? And, and you're trying to figure out who you are in those in those classes, right? And I, I learned really quickly that I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable anywhere. I'm not. I mean, I'm just going, as long as I'm trying to be something else, um, I'm not going to really step into who I am and who I'm supposed to be. Um, but I liked 90210 and I had a whole little pillow with little white boys on it. I sure did. Yes, I did. I did. Um, because I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. That's what I saw on TV. I didn't see a lot of people like me. <laughs> Imagine how I turned out. Right. But still, I didn't see a lot of people like me. And so, you know, when you start to internalize what beauty is, you know, what smart is, and you have other people in systems reinforcing that for you. Um, it becomes really a difficult task. It does. Lex, you about to say something? Or who is that? Janice, who is that? I was going to say, I feel like, especially with coming into that, you know, you talk white and all of that other things, like, especially like kids of our color hearing that or being the one to say that, it, it like, and it's, it's hurtful to me seeing like one of my peers say that to me because it's just like, you know, man, you're that scared of your own potential that you don't think that you can do what I can do. Like, you're not, you're not, you're unaware of the heights that you can reach as a person because you haven't been, you know, 
prophesied over you haven't been talked to you haven't been spoken over as some of us have and it's just like it's important and significant that we give that to the peers who we know don't have it like more so like you can do this you can take this class like you got this and it's just like sad seeing kids who we know got the potential all of us have the potential it's just sometimes we don't take our potential and run with it we just have it and we sit there with it knowing well that we can be the people that we see on tv we can be the people that we see in these books we can be better than what we have came from but it's us choosing to take the different route and uplifting each other and giving the kids like younger than us what we didn't have letting them know you're beautiful you're smart i love your curly hair like you can take this class you can do whatever you want to do you want to learn spanish stuff like that like teaching our younger kids and uplifting them the way some of us or some of our peers didn't get received and didn't receive and didn't get i also and think like oh okay yeah i think like um one thing that I noticed is like for like right now, I understand like the aggressions that were like that were said to me. But like back then, like I was even thinking just now, like I gave a speech for my eighth grade promotion and a lot of people came up to me after um, after the speech and were like, oh, wow, you're so like well spoken. And I took that as a compliment because like I've never seen anyone give like give a speech like that. And I didn't know that it was an aggression at the time or like, oh, you know, you should you know, maybe you should go into public speaking. You're so well-spoken, you're so articulate. I didn't know you could speak like that. You know, that sort of thing. I didn't know it was an aggression. I think a lot of people or a lot of black kids, like at like when you're younger, you know, elementary school or even middle school, you realize like, you don't realize all these things, these harmful things that are being said to you and that you don't realize that you're internalizing them. Like you said, Miss Lorene. And later on, they come, they come and bite you in the butt because you do like, you know, like, like I said, I, I thought that was a compliment to me, like, because I've never seen anyone like me at my school or in my elementary school give a speech or, you know, say, give, like, tell me I'm well-spoken or I should give, you know, I should uh, be in public speaking or anything like that. So I think it really does, like, start when you're in elementary school, when you're younger, with that, like, support system that you need, like, whether it's our friends or whether it's our parents or our teachers, like, we need to you know, beyond that and uplift each other. But is it that simple though? I mean, you have to understand like there are years and years of this type of treatment within the school system. Is it just as simple as, as just saying, you know, you're better than this, I love your curly hair. I mean, at this point, would that work for you right now? Is that all you need right now? No. No, I think but I also wanted that... to. Go ahead, Liz. Pop off what Janice is saying, which goes into your question, you know, the our black peers that come at us, you know, saying like, you're black, you know, you're being overachiever, like, why are you doing this? Like, what's the point? Like, why are you trying to exceed and do all this extra stuff? Um, and I feel like if we turn to them instead of getting upset or like come at them, if we were like, hey, I have the support network, like I can get you the resources you need to start doing better in class because that's what I'm doing, that's where I'm going because I feel like most of the time when our black peers come to us like that, um, kind of aggressive, it's, I think it's because they're threatened or they're jealous. Because mm -hmm. that, you know, we're in a place that maybe they wanted to be, but given the resources and given the situations that they might be in, they couldn't be where we are. So I feel like a lot of times now we just have to try because it might not work. Like what you said, you know, the school system has built up years and years of them not being in the place that they want to be. So it's not like we can just put our hand 
and they'll take it and then they'll be on the same stool um, level as us. Um, so I think it might take a lot more, but I think that we definitely need to not just brush them off when they come up to us saying things like that. We need to try and uplift them as well, even though we might receive more backlash. It's definitely worth worth the shot to get them up on the same level as us. I was also going to say, like, I also think representation plays a huge role in, like, this conversation, like the stop acting white thing. Because mm -hmm. once you see more people who look like you, you know, for me, like, for example, like giving speeches or, you know, seeing more black teachers or black women teachers, um, you know, black doctors, things like that, like, it makes me want to like, and I, I know we had this conversation early on, like when we first started the podcast, but it does make me want, make me feel comfortable enough to go after those things. So I think it also does start in the classroom and, you know, black versus the Board of Education, like it does start in the classroom because a lot of the times we read books about white students, white teachers, like white people in general, and we don't ever see people who look like us, but those people are highlighted and, you know, put on pedestals, but like we never see black people and we never see people who, like, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> you do know, stop saying you don't know. You know, girl, you do know, you know. Um, and I think that a lot of times, like when we talk about um, macroaggressions, microaggressions, aggressions, period, um, we have to understand that there's only so much that our peers can do to us. It's, it's a lot more effective when that type of aggression is coming from somebody who is supposed to, one, uh, make you feel safe in their classroom, and two, make sure you have access to the things that other students have access to. So when somebody comes and they say, you know, you're not going to get into this college or you're not going to do any of this. And these were the type of mentors that they were bringing to the AVID class at Valley High School that I was in. You know, the lady from Santa Cruz straight up told me, well, I mean, you might as well just apply to junior colleges. You're never going to get into a four-year university. And I'm thinking to myself, I just had a 4.0 last, last semester. Like, why would she think? that I wouldn't be able to get into a four-year university. That's why I took great pleasure when I got that letter from that four-year university and, and uh, my, my tuition was paid. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it matters the adults that they bring in to, to kind of help and speak into your life and to tell you that you're capable of great things. Why they chose to bring this dingbat from Santa Cruz, I have no idea, but they did. And I'm like, her job was to come in there and to make me doubt everything that I had done up to that point, even though I was more than capable, whether they thought that I was too high and mighty or faluti or whatever she thought at that time, she wanted to take, like, send, keep me in my place, whatever place she had already in her mind designed for me. And then on the flip side of that, I had cousins in my family come in and telling me that I talk white. And that I think that I'm better than everybody. And I'm trying to figure out how does that happen? What did I do that made you think that I, I'm better or I think that I'm better than anybody? And so I, I understand, you know, everything that you guys are saying. And I, I'm wondering, you know, why in society we've allowed everything good to be synonymous with white people and everything bad to be synonymous with black people and their ability um, to succeed. Why do you think that that that's happened? I feel like because I, as black people, we've always been looked at as less than 
lower than the back burner, the, oh, I want to give to them, and then I'll think about doing for them. So I feel like it's because we've always been, like, under. We've never had to, like, we've never been uplifted, really, within, throughout generations and throughout systems. It's never uplifting the Black person. <laughs> mama, mama got in on the conversation real quick. <laughs> but yes, that's what I was saying. Okay, that's I think I think it's because they can almost never break us, and it's frustrating to them. You know, slavery was over 400 years, and we're still thriving, and that's not what they want. So it's the fact that we are still trying to be better, and we've we've been oppressed, but we don't let it let it. I can't find the words, but you know, we aren't we my words but you know (laughs) no you know we haven't let everything that's happened in history affect us to where we're going to be aggressive and be exactly how they want us to be and I think it frustrates Mm. them okay I mean I could dig that I I understand that um what do you think Trent do you agree with Melissa's statement no I do agree but yeah, I agree. Gabrielle said the word you was looking for was consume. Melissa, is that, that, is that it? Word, that was the word. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I look at everything that's been designed, you know, for us to fail, right? And then I look and I turn around. I see some happy Black folks out here. I see some folks that are just continuing to build their businesses. Y'all are continuing to excel in school. You know, they're still... Uh, people out here dancing and and carrying on and, you know, going about life. So I understand Melissa, when you say that they've tried everything in their power to break them, but we just, for some reason, I don't think it's, it's, it's a thriving thing. I think it's a survival thing that we've learned um, throughout history where, you know, long as it's, you know, some of us around, we're going to find a reason to celebrate something, celebrate life, celebrate achievement, celebrate anything. All you gotta do is put on certain songs and everybody come to the dance floor. I mean, it just it, <laughs> we can maybe not even know each other. It's like, oh, that's my jam, and everybody come to the dance floor. Um, we're celebrating life because we're looking at everything around us, and it's like, but we're still here. We we still are holding on, and it it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm well spoken. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm palatable for you. It has everything to do with the fact that I have this spirit in me that just won't die. (laughs) This spirit in me just says, as long as I'm breathing and I have life, that I'm going to do whatever I can to make a difference somewhere. And I think that that's that's something that's come through the line, through our lineage. Um, We just keep it moving like that. What do you think? think We are the strongest race. Like... I quite frankly think that Black people, like us, we are really a strong, powerful race. We are a strong, powerful group of people. And I feel like because they know how powerful and strong we are, they continue to try to diminish us so that we really don't know, like, the strength that we have and the power that we could have. Like, us all together and, like, the power that we hold 
it's great. Like, it's amazing. Like, it's overpowering. So it's because the fact of they try to use against us because they fear us. They fear what we could do. They fear our potential. They fear the places we can go, the people that we can be. And because of that, they try to create systems that throw us back, systems that have make us have our backs against the wall. And the fact that we still continue, like we're continuing and we're continuing. So throughout the Stop Acting White, like, okay, we're going to stop acting white, but we are going to continue to empower ourselves. We're going to continue to do better. Even in your head, we act in white. No, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and we handle in our business to try and break generational curses, break cycles of what this world and what the systems have tried to give us. That's what we are doing. That's what I'm driving for. So if I'm acting white, so be it. And Maddie says, I don't think there is a certain way for anyone to act or speak. I don't think so either. That's yeah, what we're talking about. It's talking about how society has basically created a way that they think we should act. And if we act something other than that, then suddenly we're in a category, we're acting white. There is no way that anyone should act or speak. But if when society creates a standard or an expectation and we don't live up to that, then suddenly we're not accepted. It's when... Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, I wanted to go off Melissa. I feel like it's a leash, you know? They're trying to hold us onto something, and so they're going to put these words, you know, these standards of how we speak, and they're going to wrap that around our necks, and then they're going to drag us along, and then they're going to see how long we kind of go with that until we start to pull back, and when we do pull back from that leash, from that restraint, that's when we're not accepted. Like Melissa said, that's when we're different. And that's when we're trying to go outside of our little shell and trying to become something. And that's when we get scrutiny from the other um, people on leashes, from everyone else who's out there. And then we get scrutiny from people who are watching us break from those, break from that leash. So really, I think society's trying to hold us and contain us. Um, but, you know, we're obviously not being contained and we're going outside of that. But that's causing us to get scrutiny because, you know, when a dog gets off the leash and it starts running away, everyone's chasing after the dog. Everyone's trying to get the dog, put it back on the leash. And I think that's what society's trying to do, is trying to keep us in this one spot, saying if we go anywhere else, we're going to get scrutiny from everywhere. We're going to get um, people coming at us from everywhere. So I think that's what a society is trying to do by placing us in a, you act this way, this is what we do. And then um, I was going to go off of what Melissa was saying really quickly. Like um, We're also talking about how when we don't live up to the expectations, but people fulfill like, or speak the way that we speak or, you know, use AAVE and it becomes all of a sudden socially acceptable and it's okay and it's cool and it's a trend to speak that certain way. But when we do it, it's a problem and we're this, that, and the third. So I think that's another thing we were talking about. Now let's talk about that AAVE because you had an incident in your class last week that you uh, shared with us um, and you were, you, there were, tell us about the assignment and what transpired. Okay. So um, I'm sure pretty much all high schoolers in EGSD are reading the eyes were watching God, their eyes were watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Um, So my, one of my teachers, my English teacher made an assignment to basically compare or I guess educate us on what AAVE is. Um, So she took an excerpt of the the book and it was a quote where there was AAVE, African-American Vernacular English, 
and another quote that was more like contemporary literature or standard English. Um, and she had the class judge the two statements, basically. And the first statement, the first AAVE statement, a lot of kids put that the person who said what the, the quote said was an, what is, <laughs> excuse me, uneducated, disrespectful, probably didn't treat women right, um, like dirty, maybe not enough education or something like that. And then the next, the next quotes, um, the contemporary literature quote, everybody was like, it's definitely not the same person. You know, they're not from the same background. You know, they're respectful. They went to school. All of, you know, basically the opposite of what the person who spoke AAVE used. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> and so it, it brought something up in my mind when you were explaining that to me. Um, and so when you talk about AAVE, back in when I was coming up, they, they called that Ebonics, right? Mm -hmm. Ebonics. And Ebonics, what they were trying to do was get that um, designated as an official language. So in a sense, would they tell a Spanish-speaking person who wrote that in that way, because that's their language, Spanish, would they tell them that they were uneducated or is that just reserved for Black folks? who code switch really, because it was the same author. She spoke in two different languages really. And that was seen as uneducated, but they would never tell a Spanish speaker, any other foreign language speaker that the way that they speak is ignorant. They would never do it. And so the teacher in your, in your specific case had an obligation to really kind of educate that specific student who called it ignorant about the ways in which, and she probably can't educate nobody because she probably wasn't black, but she doesn't understand that it's a different way that we talk as opposed to everybody else. Can we talk with regular English from whoever made it? Yeah, we can do that too, if we want to. But sometimes we don't want to. And we want to talk to our people the way that we want to talk to our people and our own people understand it just fine. And just because you don't understand it, does not make them ignorant. Maybe they need to learn a second language or two. That's what should have happened in your class. And that's what I don't get. Like, I don't understand how we can um, accept other people's cultures and we can um, kind of pour into other people's cultures. But when it comes to black people, if you do something differently that I don't know, you're ignorant. And that's I don't problematic. understand how they expect us to stand behind these other cultures and pour into them. And they have high expectations for us to do that for them, but we never even receive that back. It's rare in which we receive that back, but we are somehow obligated to stand behind other cultures and their battles, other races and their battles. When, when it comes to us, where was y'all at? Yeah, some of y'all was there, but where was y'all at? Cause y'all want representation from the whole black community. Well, where was your whole community when we was going through it? Cause we've been going through it for generations. And it's been real quiet lately. I mean, there's a lot going on. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was all the, all stop Asian hate. And I'm, I'm just wondering, did it stop? Because I ain't seen nobody lately. Did the hate stop or it just went away? Like what happened? I don't even know. I just feel like that whole thing was crazy. And it was, I agree, like stop Asian hate. None of it's okay. But None of I it's okay. Yeah, not, like it's human rights. It's a human rights issue. But at the same time, you don't need to be pulling in people who have their own struggles that are very prevalent 
and that are still, you know, that are still occurring and expect them to fight the fight for you. We're playing our own survival game. Like we're trying to live on our own, make sure that our family gets home safe. There's no reason why, you know, black, black lives matter. Black people have to come in and fight your fight. And like you said, it's been real quiet lately. It's been real, real, real quiet. <laughs> I haven't heard anything from anybody. And the reason why I said that it's went away is there was a whole onslaught of it, like for one or two weeks. And then now it's quiet. Did their issue go away or was it just something for the moment? Because I'm still waiting for the mayor of Elk Grove to, to designate a buddy system for black folks being pulled over by police officers. Since, I mean, same energy. If we can do the buddy system for um, a AAPI, we should be able to do a buddy si system for black folks. Like, I want to see the same energy, especially when you want me to come in and step into the fight. Like, I need to see the same energy, the same energy that I'm fighting with for what we got going on that continues to happen on every single level, whether it be the school board or on the federal level. And we can't get no buddy system. But one thing, one couple of incidents happen. People are being mean to people or people are hitting people. And then all of a sudden now we need to act. Where is that same energy to act on behalf of black folks? And I'm not saying they shouldn't have acted. They absolutely should have acted. But where's that same energy for black folks? I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. And so I'm waiting for that same energy about buddy systems for black folks that are, are scared to death to be pulled over by police officers. When's that happening? Everybody gets real quiet. When we say, when I go to the school board and I'm like, your discipline policies, your discipline policies, I've been talking for three years. No movement. But they want to throw everybody in a bucket and say, oh, well, everybody's having this problem. No, everybody's not having this problem. That's why you're number one in the state for disproportionate discipline of black students. Everybody's not having this problem. When everybody has the problem, we can talk about everybody, but everybody's not having the problem. But when you're achieving... They want to, oh, that's our student. We did that. We poured into them. Not talking about any, any struggles you've had on their campuses. But because you're doing well and because you're a standout student, then they want to take all the credit for you until you serve them for no purpose anymore. And it's sick. I feel like, you know, nothing's going to happen until we get that buddy support system. Cause obviously we've been fighting our own fight for hundreds of years and nothing has changed. Nothing has happened. And I read a quote the other day and it was like, you know, nothing's going to change until your white kids start getting killed by police officers. Oh, that and was, I was Cuomo. Like, yes. That was and Cuomo. I was, mm -hmm. I was like, and they mad at him know? for even saying that. I mean, if you look at it's probably true because our, our people have been getting killed by police for years and nothing's happened. You know, we, until we have like that buddy system, because right now we're on the bottom. And so, you know, if someone's screaming from the bottom, the people at the top are just like, okay, like, oh, you guys hear that little voice down there? Okay. You know, they're not going to do anything about it until somehow we can start climbing and getting to the top and look at them right in their face and be like, hey, we got a problem. So I feel like unless we can find a way to get up there and right now it looks like the only way we can is getting our buddy system that we don't have is that's how we're going to get up there and get their attention and get things to change. But until that happens, it's sad to say, 
I, I can't really see us going anywhere right now because we've been trying for so long. Right. And I feel like they're not going to want to make a change until they feel our pain. Like they are not going to want to change nothing until they feel the pain we feel, the experience we have, the emotions that run through our whole body, the shock that we feel when we see another black person being murdered on TV. Like they're not going to want to change anything until they feel that pain. And it's sad to say that they may have they might have to start feeling that pain in order for things to start changing, in order for them to want to change things. Well, and I think that, you know, we can we can actually liken that to what's going on around, you know, California with the school reopening. You know, as long as it was black students, you know, only filling some some brunt of the school district, nobody was coming up. But now that everybody's kids are feeling the impact of being out of school, of distance learning, of, you know, not having access to certain materials, right? Now every, now you see an on uh, uh, upswell or groundswell. I meant, excuse me. Uh, you see a groundswell of parents like, oh hell no, not my kid, right? And they're joining together and they're coming out for a common cause. What I would like to see is our parents join together and come out for the common cause of addressing disproportionate discipline of black students. I've been doing that, you know, and a lot of times it's been me and Miss Allegra. Um, you know, at these school board meetings lately, it's been me um, by myself still talking about the same issue three years later. And they went from number three to number one in the state of California in Elk Grove, you know, and it's just like, where was this energy <laughs> for black students who are still, by the way, having this problem while they're still talking about reopening these schools, these problems did not go away just because COVID came. Actually, they probably were exacerbated, right? So not only were we dealing with, you know, not having, you know, some of our families not having internet access, adequate internet access, then you started to see that certain teachers were ill-prepared to teach. Parents finally got a chance to see what these people were teaching. And then that became a whole nother thing. So, you know, when, when we're talking about folks are going to have to fill it themselves before certain things change, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head personally. And I think Chris Cuomo hit the nail on the head because it's not a problem until it affects you. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, well, weren't you about to address that comment? Yeah. Okay. So the. Um, I saw that someone had some comments and were saying things like um, people who, black people who say acting white have not had enough exposure to other races. And so when we're talking about it in this sense, we are hearing it from other races. So we're hearing this from white people and from, from other races who think that us talking or speaking proper in a certain environment, we know it's not acting white. And that's the problem. That's why we're talking about this. It isn't us acting white, but that is the way that society portrays it and says it to us. These are things that we have actually heard. And that's why we're addressing them. What she said. Mm. <laughs> so listen, um, I'm glad that we had, look at this bug all in my face. Um, I'm glad that we had folks, um, have we heard about academic pods, which white people pay? Yeah, I've heard about the academic pods. And um, fortunately for us, um, we have a, a space now. And if black kids want to come here, they can come here. 
but it's about putting certain things in place so that we can offer the same services that people who have money and access offer to their children with no questions asked, right? And so we want to, at Black Youth Leadership Project, we want to get ourselves in a position where we can have the academic pods because there's no reason that our students should go without because people um, don't want to do the right thing by them. So with that, y'all, you were re we've run out of time for today. We would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Black versus the Board Education. Um, make sure you follow us on Spotify or subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Um, we would like to thank uh, Lisa for doing the production all by her lonesome today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know it was a lot of little little hiccups, but we'll get better uh, as time goes on. So once again, ladies, uh, it's about that time. Go ahead on one, two, three, hit them with that wave. We will see y'all uh, next week. Same bat channel live from Wakanda. I mean, Elk Grove. <laughs>